essentially what happens is we buy a life insurance policy from an individual who no longer needs it, wants it, can afford it, whatever the reason, they sell it. And then we give them money for the policy. We always give them more than the cash value or for or more than what they would get from the insurance company. Then we continue to make the premium payments. And when the individual passes, we collect the death benefit into our fund and it's distributed amongst the members of the fund. This is Better Wealth with Caleb Williams. Kevin, welcome to the Better Wealth Show. Thank you very much, Caleb. Pleasure to be with you. It is, a, it is an honor to have you on, and we're going to be talking about life settlements, which um, for many people, don't, they, they don't, that doesn't trigger anything because they, it's not like something that we know about or we don't necessarily learn about this in college. Mm-hmm. I remember hearing about life settlements for the first time, and it, it was essentially, I was like, oh, you can invest in people's death benefit and it can be something that's not correlated to the market and that's interesting to me and it's like is that morally okay and like that makes sense and we we talk about the power of life insurance and all that stuff and so i remember learning about it remember meeting you probably six months after and hearing your story and all the things that you've you know done and and you've made it so simple for me to understand um, and then for a lot of reasons, we like we don't give investment advice. We're very, very careful to to be a platform where we introduce people to concepts. But um, I'll, I'll make this very clear in this podcast that I'm not endorsing uh, my listeners or people watching this to do any type of strategy. I just want to inter- introduce them to concepts and people that are thinking outside the box that uh, potentially could help people um, get results with their money. And so all, I just want to set the stage from a standpoint of this will be a super energy, uh, interesting podcast and uh, video that we do. And my hope is by the end, people will maybe not be experts like you, but we'll know enough about uh, this strategy and know if it's something that they want to learn more about uh, and the pros and cons of it. Great. That's, that's exceptional. All right. So life settlements 101, <clears throat> um, you know, give us the 101 and then I want to go into your backstory, but I, I just would love to hear from you. Like what is the 101 behind why someone would invest in a life settlement? And I'll let you break that down. Sure. Well, you know, if you go back to the beginning, uh, 1911, a, a gentleman needed a surgery and didn't have the money. And so when he met with his doctor, uh, he, he consulted with his doctor and he said, look, I don't have the money to do this, but I do have a life insurance policy that's, you know, there's death benefit there. Um, Would you take that for in trade, even though there was no cash value? And so the doctor decided he would take it. And they did the surgery. And um, a few years later, several years later, the gentleman passed and the physician uh, went to claim the death benefit on the life insurance. Um, the insurance company balked and said, no, you don't have an insurable interest in this. And so you can't, you can't be paid. So of course, litigation ensued and it went all the way to the Supreme court and the Supreme court, this chief justice at the time, uh, who wrote the opinion was Oliver Wendell Holmes. And his comment was, once you have passed the contestability period in a life insurance contract, it becomes personal property and people can do with it as they choose. 
that has been challenged many times and it has always been upheld. So essentially what happens is we buy a life insurance policy from an individual who no longer needs it, wants it, can afford it, whatever the reason, they sell it. And then we give them money for the policy. We always give them more than the cash value or for or more than what they would get from the insurance company. Then we continue to make the premium payments. And when the individual passes, we collect the death benefit into our fund and it's distributed amongst the members of the fund. We've been doing this now for approximately 13 years. Uh, we have uh, purchased roughly 1,800 policies uh, over, the, over that time. We've never had a policy pay less than what we had anticipated. We, um, we put together a private equity fund. Uh, essentially, it's a pool of investors. Um, we originally did this for ourselves. We, we, both Jim and I had owned pieces of small policies and had good success with it. And one day we were playing golf and uh, we both got a text from the company that we did this with. And he got notice notification that he had received, there's a death benefit that he was going to be getting. And I got notification that my policy needed an additional premium payment. And I said, man, wouldn't it be great if we could just pool these all together? Because I think at the time we owned about, I don't know, 15 or 20 of them. And so we looked into putting them into a pool. That way we could, it, when one had a victory, we shared in the victory. And when one there was a burden, like a premium payment, we shared in the burden. It would smooth out the yield curve. And so when we realized that we could do it, we opened it up to some of our high value clients that had invested in the same asset class. We opened up to, to outside investors. In fact, my dad was our first investor. Um, and it went from there. And after our first fund was put together, um, it became pretty obvious that this was going to be a beast. Um, we were financial planners at the time, and it became it became readily apparent that we were not going to have any time to do any financial planning anymore. And so we, we stepped back from that and um, we started offering this to clients. And then we had advisors who would come to us and say, can I refer some of my clients to you? And we said, we don't know. <laughs> so but we'll look into it. And we did. And, and they can. It's not a problem. So uh, that's where it started. And we are now on our 10th fund, private equity fund. Amazing. Um, and uh, it's worked out beautifully from day one. That's awesome. That's awesome. So to, to, to simplify this, there's a couple uh, people in this equation. And I actually have a good friend who's on the other side of, mm. of the settlement. So he's helping people that have their life insurance policies. He's helping them negotiate. He's like a broker. And so it's, it's really cool. I might have to have him on to talk about the different side to this, sure. but Absolutely. the whole, the whole idea is you're, you're creating a win-win scenario with the, the person that has a life insurance policy. Cause at the end yes. of the day, they, it's a free market. They can do what they want. And so instead yes. of cashing it out and getting whatever, um, they're getting a higher, uh, value for their death benefit. And that's a point that I want to make real quick is when you set up life insurance, a lot of times people only care about the cash value, which I understand, but the permanent death benefit is an asset. And you guys are a perfect example of like, you will die someday. And so mm -hmm. if you have an insurance policy, that's, that's going to happen for an assure, uh, for a, a sure date, like that's, that's incredible. 
And so that that's is an asset that you guys ultimately, you know, that you guys capitalize on. Um, yeah. But you have that asset. Um, and then so they you create a win win scenario. And I also want to say that a majority of these policies that you're probably buying are not the policies that we we design um, there. You know, we can go into that if you want from a standpoint of the typical policies that you get. But without you know, these are not policies that are max funded from the very beginning with, with the mindset they're they're policies that people are getting maybe for an estate plan or perfect there you go you know and so they're high death benefit low cash value um and so that there there's a win-win relationship there so the person that you're working with they're getting more money they're assigning over the death benefit to the fund you're it's a win because this is an asset that's not correlated to the market and and you're saying hey like we're gonna continue to make premium payments and when this person quote unquote matures passes away um, right. that death benefit's going to get paid to the fund uh, there's going to be less tax be benefits than if the death benefit went directly to the family but still we're right. getting a lump sum of money and you're saying if you're an owner of that fund you'll get passed you'll get paid out um when that happens just like if you sold a real estate property or you sold a business in a in a fund exactly it's exactly true uh, the we always pay more than the cash value. Most of these policies that we purchase, we don't typically look for whole life policies for the reason is simple. They're great for accumulating cash, but for our purposes, they're not what we're looking for because the premiums are too high. If we have a policy come to us, say it's a universal life policy and it's got cash value, the first thing we're going to do is uh, look at using that cash value to make the premium payments so that it reduces the premium burden on the fund itself. Uh, most of the policies that we get start out uh, their lives as term insurance that are is convertible to uh, a universal life. We don't generally buy term insurance policies for obvious reasons. They'll, they'll term out and yeah. we don't want that to happen. So they have to convert it before we buy it. We work with brokers like your friend. Um, and uh, although we work with very, we're very selective on who we work with. I'm not saying that we wouldn't work with your friend. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but you, in this business, relationships are key because it's, there's an enormous trust uh, factor. Uh, we never deal directly with the uh, insured. We always have an arm's length. We always use what's known as a life settlement provider, which is required by law in yep. every state. And uh, there are they have a, a legal representation is required for them. Most of the time, it's uh, the, the policy comes through an estate planner. A uh, person may have an estate. They purchased a, a term life insurance policy uh, for to mitigate tax burden should they pass in the next couple of years before they can liquidate or give away their estate. Once they've done all that, there are two to three years beyond that for maybe five years. And now they've got a policy that they no longer need. Uh, and they probably never intended to keep it very long because it just simply needed to be there for a period of time, like I said, to mitigate the estate tax. So they can convert that policy to universal life. Uh, and we always recommend, look, if you want, you should check with the insurance company, see what they'll give you for the policy. That's pretty clear because they'll give you essentially what the cash value is. So when we buy the policy, their, their, their beneficiaries have been notified. Beneficiaries can buy the policy if they want. For, you know, Most of the time, beneficiaries do not have the kind of financial resources to do this, but they're certainly welcome to. So we get the beneficiaries to sign off as well. Uh, we've never been sued by a beneficiary for taking advantage of grandma or something like that. Uh, this is absolutely a win-win uh, for uh, for our investors and for the insured. The people who lose in this are the insurance companies. They don't really care for that. 
However, that being said, in this business, this, this industry is much larger than most people are aware. Uh, Berkshire Hathaway owns hundreds of millions of dollars, if not billions of death. I was going to ask you, Warren Buffett is, yep. invest massive amounts of money in this asset because yes. again, it's uncorrelated to other factors. Completely uncorrelated. If the economy goes up, down or sideways, makes no difference. Uh, since 1845, no B plus or better rated life insurance company in America has ever failed to pay on a death benefit. So uh, our record has been this 100%. We've always been paid exactly what we thought, sometimes a little more, depending on when they pay. Um, but this market is much bigger than most people realize. The biggest player in this industry, our biggest competitor, believe it or not, is AIG. Now, AIG is an insurance company, but they also have a subsidiary that tries to buy these policies from, that competes with us to buy the policies from other insurance companies because they know they're going to get paid. They have an enormous yeah. uh, portfolio of policies. Um, so we don't, I mean, they're in the market and they are the biggest player. We really aren't. We're a speck on, on, on their windshield yeah. in truth. Yeah. So. And, and, and again, in full transparency, I've, I've known Kevin for, was it coming up on five years? Probably. Um, and uh, for the longest time, we, we just didn't do a podcast because I, I, I was in conflict of like, okay, well, we, I want to be very careful not to give investment advice. The last thing I want to do is sure. connect someone and what whatnot that's not suitable or what whatnot. But I kind of came to this epiphany that our, our clientele, um, the people that listen to this show, they're, they're always looking for opportunities. They're all, their mind's always going. We, we preach mm -hmm. intentional living. We're, 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 we preach all the same type of principles. And I'm like, um, if, if, it's not, if I'm not going to introduce people, then they're just going to learn from some, someone else. And, mm -hmm. and so that's when I called you up and I was just like, hey, man, I want to do a Life Settlements 101 because um, there's not enough people talking about this. And it's a, it's, it's a powerful fit for the right type of person. So let's talk about the pros and cons to if someone was going to invest some of their money into sure. a life settlement fund. Um, obviously, the, the big con that I can think of is just liquidity. This is, not a, this, is not this is not a type of asset that you have liquidity to. Um, but overall, from an accumulation, something that's not correlated to the market, it, it seems like people are dying like that. You know, so it's it's one of those things where what are some of the other cons, and then what are some of the other obvious pros to why someone would want to choose this over the million other investment ideas, and why someone potentially should think about putting some of their money into sure. a life settlement well, fund. Well, having been in this industry for quite some time, the difference between a life settlement fund and really any other type of alternative asset, whether it be debt instruments that you're you're buying or or commercial loans or bridge loans, oil and gas, uh, real estate trusts all have a great, you know, pros and some cons. The difference is at the end of the day, we are buying our growth in advance at a discount. We know what we're going to get paid. We just don't know when. Now, every single dollar that we invest is guaranteed the growth is guaranteed, not your, your principal. Your, your growth is actually guaranteed by American insurance companies. I don't know any other type of real of asset class that offers that. Now, 
the con or the, the, the detriment to this is this is not a cash flow investment. This is a growth investment. Um, and truthfully, what most of our funds will last about eight years uh, because the average age of the insured in our funds is approximately 92 to 93 years old. So if they're perfectly healthy, how long will they live? And the answer is, mm, I don't know, but probably not more than about eight years. What we tell people is this, if you know you're going to be needing your money inside of 10 years, do not invest it here. There are other things that you can put it in that are much more suitable. This is purely for growth, for money that you can't afford to lose, but you're not going to need right away. As money comes into our fund, it's held at Bank of Utah. We don't ever touch the money. We have a custodian. Uh, they manage all the money. Um, and as say we say we raise 10 million, just give me an example. Say we raise a $10 million, okay? We will deploy that $10 million into the marketplace and we will be looking for death benefit in the range of about 40 to $45 million to start with. So you have about a four or four and a half to one equity multiplier right out of the gate. Now, we actually don't spend all 10 million. We're going to spend only about 6 million because we're gonna hold back probably three and a half to $4 million to cover the premiums for the first two to two and a half years. Now, as we begin waiting, because that's what this essentially is, is a waiting game, policies will begin to mature in the first year, two years. We've actually had, almost every fund has had at least one or two maturities in the first year. That money is held in reserve at Bank of Utah. And it's even though it's come in and it's yours, it's your inv the investor's money, it's held by Bank of Utah and it's used to replenish that premium reserve account because again, the most important thing we need to do is protect the asset of the fund. So after about year four or five, we've kind of reached that tipping point as Malcolm Gladwell would say, where we've received enough cash in and we've reduced the premium obligation significantly enough to where we know we've got enough money to distribute and we distribute every quarter. Um, money goes directly into the investor's uh, account. Most of the investors in this fund uh, invest through a qualified account. Uh, oh, okay, so you can put, you can absolutely, qualified money. Okay. Absolutely. Uh, probably 80 to 85% uh, is qualified money. Um, it's great for if, an investor is considering a Roth conversion. Uh, this is a perfect asset for that because there is, because it's illiquid, the IRS will allow a discount based upon liquidity of at least 10%, which means you're going to save tax money in converting. Um, there are also uh, some other side benefits if you're considering a Roth conversion that we can help or explain to investors uh, as needed. But um, it's a perfect investment for, for just money you're not going to need. If you're going to give money to leave money for family members uh, in, in trust, we can, we can do that. If you're going to just need it in retirement uh, and it's cash money, that's fine too. I mean, it makes no difference to us. Uh, but we work with most, most self-directed IRA custodians are fine. We have a couple that we prefer because it makes it a lot easier and we've negotiated better pricing. But we don't have a dog in that fight. They're free to use who they choose. It's awesome, man. That's awesome. That's uh, I, I appreciate you sharing all the ins and outs of that. 
Um, and so you're the, the big thing is if you're needing the money within the next 10 years, it's just, it's just one of those things where, yeah, we could speculate, but let's not even, let's not even be in that territory. This is for someone that's like, Hey, I like the idea. I, I, I get the concept. Every time we say mature, that means ultimately someone's dying. Um, right. and, and what the other thing that I just found really unique is when people get a life insurance policy, they take a medical test and make sure like the insurance company is like, I don't want to, you know, give you life insurance if you're not uh, healthy. And it's, it's interesting because in this, you guys have them take a, not a health test, but you, you, you're essentially underwriting them for the exact opposite. You're like, Hey, if you're like the healthiest 92 year old, sorry, but we're not, or if we pay you, it's going to be a lot less than if you're unhealthy. So it's just, it's just interesting to see like life insurance is essentially a promissory asset that's based on Mm -hmm. your mortality. And, and it's, and that's what makes it so amazing is you're dealing with companies that have, have massive balance sheets that have been around forever super solid but at the end of the day you're underwriting the same thing that they under it but you're you're doing it 30 40 maybe even 50 years after so right. the data is just so much more accurate and when we when we consider a policy first thing we look at is the age of the policy if because if the policy is inside of two years we won't even look at it not even touch it so most of our policies are, are well beyond the contestability period three yeah. years and beyond uh, we look to make sure that the uh, the insured has made some, at least some of the premium payments themselves because uh, policies that are completely 100% premium financed are somewhat of a red flag and we don't want any red flags, which is one of the reasons we've never had a problem getting paid. Yeah. Um, we want to make sure that the insurance company is an American insurance company. The insured has to be an American individual. Uh, we're looking for age, but in addition to age, we do get two medically underwritten life expectancy estimates on each case from two independent companies that do this. Uh, so the, the insured will sign a HIPAA release and allow their medical records to be evaluated. So that is taken into consideration. But because the average age of the insured in our funds is so much older than most others, we focus on what does, how long will a perfectly healthy 92 year old live? And for that, we subscribe to the CDC's actuarial department, their tables. And additionally, we subscribe to the VBT or the valuation basic tables, which is a large actuarial database that is put out by the insurance industry. It's more conservative than the CDC. The the CDC takes all lives in America and uses that as their base, where the VBT only uses those who are insured. And so those are going to be healthier people. So it's going to be more conservative. But we will look at both of those numbers. And then once all that information is gathered, it has the the policy has to pass five tests uh, to determine whether or not it's even viable for us to consider. Once it is viable, then Jim and I will sit and talk. We'll look at the policy. Uh, look at the premium obligation, and sometimes we'll just pass because it's too big, uh, where it, it's, it's going to be too much of a load. We're going to have to reserve too much money. So, you know, typically a fund uh, of ours will have anywhere from 30 to 50 policies in it. Uh, as I indicated before, a when we start, we have an equity multiplier of about four to four and a quarter yep. to one, which means that a $100,000 investor 
is going to begin with is going to have an equity multiplier over the next eight years of say four to one. So they will turn into $400,000. Now that's a, the best case scenario. Some people are going to live longer and right. that will eat into right. that return. But if we can deliver a three to one equity multiplier, which is very easily done and as happens most of the time, then we're going to still be able to deliver very good yield. We're interested in yield um, for our investors. That's the key. Yeah. Now I know you got to be careful and, and so take all this with a grain of salt, but what kind of rate of returns are you are you shooting sure. for from a standpoint? And what would you say to somebody who's like, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put a portion of my investment into this. And what are, what, what should someone who's going to do this be like, if someone says, Oh, well, you'll get 3% annualized in a, in a perfect scenario, I'd be, I'd be like, ah, I don't know if I'm really interested. So what is, yeah. what is typical and what are, what are you guys shooting for? We target 10 to 12% annualized net of fees. And I'll explain okay. the fees in a second. Um, and honestly, that's the same target that we that we that we stated in our first fund and in our first five funds. They are all doing about that. But subsequently, as we get better at this, we're able to buy better, and yeah. you know we have some economies of scale. Uh, we'd be pretty disappointed if that's all our later funds did. They're doing substantially better than that. But we're not going to change the target. We'd much rather under promise and, and over deliver, then say we kind of get you 17 to 20%. Because, you know, there's an old saying, pigs get fed, but hogs get slaughtered. And when, you know, we want to do the best we can for our investors. We keep the fees specifically low because we invest right alongside your clients in every fund we own. So we're going to have something at stake, some skin in the game. When we start the fund, we take a one and a half percent or when an investor comes in, we take a one and a half percent organizational and offering fee. And what that is, is that reimburses us for setting up the fund, for paying for the escrow, the, the custodian work, the printing, the legal, the accounting, what have you. So we front all that money. And then uh, as investors come in, we get one and a half percent of their investment as it comes in uh, as a reimbursement. Then we have a management fee of 2.5% of whatever matures on the back end. And we don't get that until they get, we get paid when That's they get cool. paid. Yeah. So total of 4% 4 over eight years, that's not bad uh, in terms of cost. We have no ongoing fees in any fund. We have no recurring fees. Uh, I know that some of our competitors in this industry, I've seen as much as 2% upfront for organizational and offering, uh, half a percent, per year and five to 10% on the back end, which in, in, in my opinion is greedy. Um, so we're not, we're not the biggest out there. We're a boutique firm, uh, but we do one thing and we do it very well. Yeah. And I, I appreciate the transparency there because um, there's, I don't need to tell you, there's a lot of, um, there can yeah. be some fog. Let's just put it that way as sure. related to how, how, what are people incentivized by? And um, I think, and again, this is not investment advice, but if you're looking at doing alternative, you know, investing, mm -hmm. look at what someone's incentivized by. And it's like, you guys are directly incentivized to make this be successful because mm -hmm. you guys are getting paid on the back of a successful, correct? you know, you know, results. And so that, that's, that's awesome. And, and by the way, it's like knowing you for five years, 
uh, and knowing multiple people that have worked with you directly um, is also incredible and just in just the type of person you are and so um i i appreciate you sharing that and and again i don't i don't want to make this episode longer than, than it has to be is there anything else that you're you know that would that you would regret not stating if it, it as it relates to understanding an asset class like this and it's like obviously the next step is if, if someone wants to learn more they can go to your website we'll make sure to sure. have a link down below absolutely maybe, maybe you have a different presentation i just i want to be the person that if someone's interested they can go talk to you directly um and yeah but anything else that you want to say from a standpoint of you know that it would be uh, good to know before you know taking action and deciding whether you want to do this or not well no uh, i think we've touched on the main points uh, people are going to have additional individual questions and i'm happy to answer them either via email or on the phone. If so, someone would like to speak with me personally, uh, you can call us. We're in North Texas, about a town called Southlake. We're about 10 minutes to the west of DFW Airport. Uh, my phone number is 817-479-9770. My email address is kevin at penumbrasolutions.com. Uh, if someone wants to watch a video presentation of what we do and how we do it, it is... Um, at uh, thepenumbraplan.com. That was my partner, Jim, just checking in. Uh, the, it's www.thepenumbraplan.com. It will ask them for a password. Uh, it is password protected, and the password is all lowercase, penumbra, P as in Paul, E-N as in Nancy, U-M as in Mary, B-R-A. Penumbra yeah. is, okay. And um, it, then they're welcome to watch. Uh, and... Uh, you know, if they want more information, I can send them more information. Uh, but the easiest way is just to watch the video and then give me a call. Yeah, and that's and we'll we'll include all the contact info. Sure. And, and and I'll just say this on behalf of Kevin: watch the video <laughs> before you just call him. Um, but you're, Please. you're I, yeah. I don't actually get many guests that give out their cell phone number, so that's uh, thank you, thank you for that. No problem. Uh, and we'll 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 make sure to put that uh, in the description if you're watching this on YouTube. If you're listening to this, we'll make sure that it's in the show notes on. A podcast um and so no I, I appreciate that and and there's it's definitely uh it's definitely something that hopefully can increase your um financial iq learning about um is there anything else you want to say as it relates to life settlements because i have two other questions but they're not related to life settlements at all no i think we've covered i think think we've covered the basics all right so one thing that you have in common with some some of the guests that come on the show is uh you've played me in ping pong all right. <laughs> Do you, would you like to enlighten the audience on how that turned out, Kevin? No, we're gonna. Yeah, I think uh, I think I think there was a, I think there was a humbling experience, if I'm not mistaken, Caleb. I. Uh, it's only a matter of time uh, until I, I lose badly to a guest. I the the running joke is um, if you beat me in ping pong, you'll magically never appear because uh, I got to keep <laughs> the streak alive. Um, but that's that, uh, that's my, my time will end shortly. Uh, but no, that was, that was a blast. We, we played yeah. with our, our good friend, MC Lobster, who's yep. uh, obviously, uh, another podcaster and, yeah. you know, and it was, it was a blast. I, I give him a hard time every time about ping pong. Um, yeah. so that was, that was a blast. And then the other thing that I just want to say, and this is just totally kind of goes 180 from what we were talking about, but, um, I love to end all the shows with a legacy question. Mm. And the legacy question goes like this. If this is your last day on earth and you're with the people that you love the most and you can't give them any any book or talk or you can't give them this podcast, but you can just give them one conversation, what are you going to make sure to highlight in that conversation? 
just love each other. And there's nothing like family. Yeah. That's enough. Yeah. Yeah. Thank I, you. Though. Yeah. Good. I, 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 I appreciate the answer. And I think um, one, one thing that we try to get our community to really think with the end in mind, um, because how you answer that should determine how you live your life today. And uh, it's, it's, a, it's a cool world we live in that we can be challenged and have content that can help us be more authentic in that. In that. So Kevin, I, I appreciate you, man. We'll, we'll have your contact down below. You included your phone number, your email, a website with the password where someone can learn more. Um, and I would encourage uh, people that if, they're, if they wanna learn more, um, you are someone that will shoot it straight with them. And, um, and I just appreciate that about you. And so I hope you have an amazing rest of your day. And uh, until next time, man, work on that ping pong. We'll, we'll be playing soon, all right? <laughs> Absolutely. Been a privilege, Caleb. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to the Better Wealth Podcast. It would mean the world to me if you could hit subscribe, leave a review, and share this with the people that you know and love.